Oh, welcome to church, everybody. It's a, it's a good place to be on a Sunday morning, because uh, I get to see your pretty faces. Uh, just look into the person next to you and say, ah, oh, you're pretty. <laughs> oh, hey, you're pretty. Come on, come on. Ah, oh, it's so good, it's so good. There's a, bring the joy, bring the joy. Guys, we are in the book of Acts. <laughs> and they, <laughs> did, did, who didn't say? Wow, wow. Sure. It's okay, it's okay. We, we, we're working on Sadmon. Um, he's the only awesome one. He doesn't think you're pretty. I don't know. I mean, May the love of Jesus fill his heart <laughs> and spring forth from within. Uh, alrighty, uh, guys. So um, we are in the book of Acts, and we've been looking at Acts of what as 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 a way for us to live. And today we are in Acts chapter two, finally. Yes, and and this is it, guys. This is the start. This is where our story and the story of back in the Bible intertwines with each other. This is where it all begins for us. And so I want you to turn with me quickly to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to read just a couple of verses. And uh, then we're going to then we're going to just have a look and see how this works for our lives. And so in verse 1 it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, um, uh, Pyrigia, near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. I, I, I want you to just ponder there quickly. It's, they heard them declaring the wonders of God in their own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And, 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 and the reason I want to read that as well is because it's going to form part of what this whole movement that we've been looking at. Remember, we've got a mission 
to carry a message to see the kingdom multiplied here on earth. And so that last part is actually something very, very important. And today, I just want to talk from this heading, nothing else but Pentecost. Pentecost. Now, we all know Pentecost as, um, if, if you have ever been in church before this, um, if you've hung out with friends that used to go to church or that are in church, somewhere along the line, you would have heard this word, Pentecost. And we mostly associate Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with the church starting point. But Pentecost is something that has been running before this specific day. So just a little bit of um, background and a little, you know, history. We're going to just set the scene here quickly. Um, Pentecost was a, was a public holiday. How many of you guys love public holidays? <laughs> yep. That is what Pentecost was. It was a public holiday where Jews from all across the world would come together to celebrate a single feast in Jerusalem. It was called the Feast of Weeks. And this happened 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after Passover, they would celebrate this feast. And Pentecost is a very simple word. It's a number. It's the Greek word for 50. That is all it is. So 50 days after the Passover, Jews would come and bring what they would call their first fruits, their harvest. They would bake bread and, and a few other things, and they'll bring it as an offering to God to say, this is the day we say thank you. But something also very interesting, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, is also the anniversary as to when Moses gave the Israelites the law. And so as we look at it, with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, Moses brought the law which condemned and put people under this yoke, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out on Pentecost, and it goes, this is something new. I'm going to do something new in your life. I'm bringing you freedom. I am giving you a brand new start. And without Acts chapter 2, we wouldn't be here. Pentecost wouldn't have been Pentecost as well. We know it. We wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't see your pretty face, you know. You wouldn't have the chance to say, hey, you pretty. Uh, I don't know, maybe. But you see, this is the thing. Without Acts chapter 2, we don't have today, which is us gathering. So Pentecost is really important within our lives. And so as we unwrap this, I want to look at a few things from this text that make us who we are. Number one, it was first a position of unity. So if you have a look at it, they were together. I love the New King James Version. Is like they were in one accord. Yes, I'm still not going to tell that joke. We all of them were in a car dealership at Honda. Never mind, it's really bad. So they were in one accord. They were in agreement. They were in unity. Check this out. 
from the moment Jesus ascended to heaven until the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, they dedicated themselves to meeting together daily and praying. This is what, what became their lives, and this is where their unity started. You see, there is so much in our lives today that divides us. And, and you don't have to go out of this church and very far to see the division that we have in our lives today. And what we are trying to unpack from this is that unity is the most important thing about being the church. Jesus prayed it as well. Before going to the cross, he prays this. Check it out. In John 17, verse 20 to 21, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. So, you see, so here Jesus is busy praying to God the Father, and he's like, I'm not just praying for the disciples, but I'm also praying for those who hear about me through them, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. See, he's talking about unity there that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So what Jesus is praying there is like, may people see me as they come together, as they walk in unity, as they agree that what needs to be first stays first, and that's Jesus' center, that he's the reason we are here today, that the pouring of the Holy Spirit was real, and that we receive it, and that sends us out in power. And this is what Jesus prays. Do you remember um, if, if there's a few accounts in, in the Bible where the disciples didn't actually um, agree with each other? They even ran to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest? Hey? Two guys asked their mom to get them a promotion. Hey? It's, just, it's like... Do you remember that? James and John go, um, sons of Zebedee is like, their mom goes to Jesus and is like, hey, can, when the kingdom comes, can my boy sit on the left and right hand, of, of your, your left and right hand? It's like, promotion, Lord. And, and can you imagine everybody else's faces? Like, how dare you? I can see Peter already pulling his sword. He's like, just wait. Just wait till they sit down. Don't sit now. This, you, we might be friends, but you can still not sit next to me. Hey, you, you see, be, before Jesus ascends, there was all this, this tension because they were striving to do something. And when Jesus dies, they realize it's not about what we do, it's what he did. And when Jesus ascends, they go, it's not just about what he did on the cross for us, it's what we still need to do. And because he's not here, what did they do? They pursued unity. The thing that is going to show the world Jesus is unity. The thing that is going to change the world is not our big buildings, not our awesome worship, is our pursuit of unity. Because where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Where there is unity, we speak in one voice. We speak about one thing, and that is Jesus. Come down, lived life sinless, died for our sins, 
rose again, ascended to heaven, released the Holy Spirit, and goes, tag, you're it. Unity is what changes everything. You see, they didn't know what God was going to do next. But they knew what they needed to do. Come together, pray, seek his presence. They did that daily. Come together, pray, seek his presence. And when they do that, God says, now's the time. You see, it was predestined that it would be on this specific day because where the law brought death, Jesus said, on this day, I'm going to bring life. And so we become a people of unity and everything changes from a position of unity. But then the next thing that we get to look at is there's a promise that is fulfilled. Um, do any of you guys remember the ice cream truck? Are you old enough to remember ice cream? Are you young enough to remember the ice cream truck? So for those who do not know, we used to have this little van. It always used to be a VW van. And, and it used to ride and used to have this really awful dinky across the world. Okay? It's like you, when the moment you opened that thing, they sent you that song. And you could hear it a mile away and you knew something was going to happen. Everybody got excited. You know, the people next to you came to your parents like, can you buy us ice cream? It was that kind of thing. There was, there was the sound before there was a visual. Like in, in our house, we have a lot of, um, we, when we sit outside, we, you can hear planes. Here in Cape Town, you hear the plane before you see it. When Bronwyn rides his motorbike, you hear it and it like stirs something into you. I've got this thing with bikes, man. And when, when, when he comes around, it's like, ooh, Bronwyn's coming, where is he? Where is he, where is he? And, and, and so there's this thing that we see in the Bible the Holy Spirit gets poured out, but there's a sound before there is sight. And if you look throughout the, the history, if you start at Genesis, sound always precedes sight. Because we always want to trust in what we can see. But God spoke, and then there was light. You see, there's always a sound before there is, you can see something changing. What is the sound that people hear when they come into our presence? What is the sound that people hear when you speak to them? Not just what do they see, but what do they hear? When they walked around the city of Jericho, it was a sound that brought down the walls. What walls in your life do you need the sound of heaven to shake and crumble? What darkness in your life do you need? The sound of God speaking, let there be light so that things may change. Two things get, um, two things you pick up from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number one is the sound of wind. There wasn't a move of wind, there was a sound. Have you guys heard? I mean, this is Cape Town. You sit in your house and the wind blows and it's just like, I can't say. There is no Afrikaans word for. Like, Afrikaans always has those perfect words, like pantoffel. <laughs> but there's this, <laughs> but it came down suddenly because there wasn't a build-up. The build-up was Jesus leaving to the time being poured out, and suddenly there was the sound of wind, 
I don't know if you guys have ever been on a bike or driven with your car window down. Do you know what the sound of the wind sounds like? It's quite loud, but it was in this building. That is symboling the power of the Holy Spirit coming. Wind is power, fire is presence. If we go back to Moses, when he saw, before he got commissioned, he stepped into the presence of God. What did he see? Fire. When they were led through the desert, what led them? A pillar of fire. And then when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, it comes in the form of tongues of fire. The wind falls. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they see and they recognize this is his presence. It was a powerful awakening on that day. And this is the crazy thing. It says, and then the Holy Spirit rested on them. I heard this amazing talk that Holy Spirit in us changes us. Holy Spirit on us changes others. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and it rested on them and then they stepped out, changed the world, literally. You see, at the very beginning, they weren't given a model or a formula. God gave them himself. You see, we follow a structure, but what we need is God himself. You see, how many of you know God loves the church more than we do? We can love certain parts of the church. You know, we can, we can love church. We can love um, the location, the people, um, the building, the worship. There are aspects of church that we love. But God loves the church which is the people. And this is how much he loves us. Not only does he give his son as an offering for us, but he gives the Holy Spirit so we can continue doing what he sent his son to do. And that's to introduce ordinary people to an extraordinary God. And what he shows him here is like, if we are going to be the church, you're going to need him. We don't need anything else except the Holy Spirit. You see, we can do church without God, but we can't be the church without Him. Because the church is the people. And if we want to be the church, we need to have an outpouring, impartation of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And so we need to make sure that we receive the Holy Spirit. What have you ever been promised? Can you imagine the excitement when they receive the Holy Spirit? My kids, it's like when we promise them something, actually not my kids, me, when my wife promised me something, use your imagination, whatever it is, if she promises me 
some, if anybody promises me something and I get it, happiest child alive. Everybody knows that I got what someone promised me. Because this was the moment where the waiting was over. There's always a waiting period. Remember we spoke about a couple of weeks? Oh, you've got to wait. And everybody hates that saying. Hey, you know, just wait. My kids hate it. Oh, what time is supper? Just wait. <laughs> what, me? What time are we leaving? Wife? Just wait. I mean, come on. I like, no one likes the waiting period. But check this out. The waiting is never forever. We use the analogy of this wait was athletes getting into starting blocks, getting ready and going down. And this moment here is the gun going off. All that energy, all that waiting for that moment to go. You see, we were never meant to be inside. We were called to take it outside. Because the last thing I just want us to have a look at is that after the promise was fulfilled, there was a prompting to go public. The Jews came from everywhere, scattered. It was law, check this out, law that they had to be in Jerusalem on the specific day. So there were thousands of them. And wherever you go, you learn the language of where you stay. So at this point in time, if they grew up anywhere else, they were speaking that language. And here we find them that they are in this one place, speaking different languages to different people. And all of a sudden, the most unlikely people step onto the scene. Not perfect evangelists, not people that have it all together, not ordained pastors, but misfits that were in unity, that loved Jesus, and he uses them to carry one message to the entire world at that moment. This was a time where God said, you know what, taking the limits off. You're not going to limit me to a building? Because I love this analogy where the Israelites, the Jews, came to bring something into the house. God goes, I love you so much. I want you to take something out of the house. What I gave you inside, you're taking outside now. Have you ever thought of Prodeo, the name? When we do a, uh, our step-in classes where you come and find out who we are, we always start off by telling you what our name is. Prodeo. It's a Latin name which means for God, a Latin word. And the reason the name was chosen is it's a name in no one's language. Here in Cape Town, we've got people that speaks not just all our national languages, but a lot of international people that speak their own language. So when they come here, 
no matter what language you speak, you can't say prodeo in a different way. Like, how many of you guys have had your name butchered before by someone? Okay? Like, you tell people, this is my name, and they get it completely wrong. And this is the thing. Prodeo was a name given in no one's language. And at this point in time, Jesus goes, there's not going to be a language barrier anymore. Because they had to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But what God does at this moment, he brings the whole world into one place. And tongues of fire get poured out, guys. And they start speaking in tongues. Too much of what we read in the Bible, too much of what we, what we know as Christians is very optional. You know, we go um, on certain games. Have you ever bought a car? You go, I want this one. I don't want that. Every BMW driver says, I don't want the indicators. Um, <laughs> it's optional. I don't need that. You know, there's always these optional extras. And when it comes to the life of a Christian, we also go, you know what? This is optional. I don't need it. But what we see here is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit being poured out and manifest at that point in time. And it's the gift of speaking in tongues. Paul writes, not everybody will speak in tongues. It's his desire that everybody does. But it's still something that we do. And yet this moment, as he speaks, as he pours out the Spirit, people hear one message in a different, in all their different languages. You cannot have a church without the supernatural power of the Most High God because He blows your mind always. And this is the thing I wanted to show you guys. When we read the end of it, it says, some of them were amazed, some of them were perplexed, and others mocked. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, when we move from this building, there are going to be people, as we carry the word of God, that are going to be amazed. You are sitting here because God has amazed you in some way. People are going to be perplexed, which means they're going to be confused, and they're not going to understand what is going on. And then there are going to be people that are going to mock. And we see that already in our day and age. But it doesn't matter what they think doesn't matter what they say, on that day, God will move. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit. He powers you so that you can go out. He empowers you to carry one message, to be on a single mission, to see things changed. And it doesn't matter what people's first reaction is. Because next week, we're going to find out that 3,000 people joined church. The first church was a mega church. 3,000 people come to know Jesus. You want to know what's really ironic? The day the law was given, 3,000 people died. The day the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was new life, New start, 3,000 people are added. Jesus goes, come on, let's change things. Let's flip it upside down. So Pentecost is more than just a day. 
It's our moment. It's where everything changes. And we get to go. We want that. It's not enough that we just meet here. It has to be more than just meeting here. We need to go. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask us all to stand. I want you to close your eyes. I want to put out your hands like you, you're receiving something. And what I want us to do is if we want to see things change, we need the Holy Spirit. And, and I think it was last week I said it's as simple as asking, believing, and all we have to do is receive. So if you've never received the Holy Spirit, we're going to ask for him today. He is real. He is active. He's here right now. Some of us, need, some of us might need a top-up of him. We need more of him. And so that is what I'm praying right now. So as we close our eyes, I'm going to ask, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Pray that you'll fall on us and then fill us up. We want more of you, King Jesus. This is how much you loved us, that you gave us you in the form of Holy Spirit. And here you are. And we're saying, we want that. We want more of that. So I pray, fall now on each and every one of us. On all of us. You're not limited to how long you've been a Christian, to what age we are. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, just over us, every single one of us, we want you. Then I pray, Lord, may we not limit you in the gifts that you want to give us. So I just want you to receive right now right now, receive the Holy Spirit. We ask for more. More of you. More of your Spirit. On us. And in us. Changing us. Changing others. Come Holy Spirit. Oh. May we not be satisfied with just a once-off pouring out, but may it be a constant hunger, constant longing for more and more of you. While our eyes are just bowed, I, I was just reminded at the beginning of the year, we asked, Lord, this is a year of deeper that we may grow. We want to go deeper. We need more of you. We need the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Father God, in our workplace, may you lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit. May we carry your presence into our workplace. Pray over our kids. Holy Spirit, fall on them. May they carry Holy Spirit into their classrooms, into their schools. Wherever it is, more of you, more of you, more of you. So, Father, we just pray. Unify us, unite us, Lord. With one message. Go and tell people about the goodness of God.
empower us, fill us. May we walk in that promise. Holy Spirit, pour it out. Lord Jesus, over each and every one of us here today, we pray more of you, your blessing, and your love. In Jesus' name.